He has his own podcast. What is it, y'all? Get my shit together. Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Tuesday, December 19, 2023. I hope your week is off to a great start. I hope in some form or fashion you are into a holiday week and your employer is not going to be expanding the margins at your expense this week. I hope you can, you know what I mean, kind of be in, as they say in sports, kind of be in garbage time. The late, great Chick Hearn said, no one enjoys garbage time as much as Robert Ori. <laughs> Robert Ori has probably been retired from the NBA for 15 years. Chick Hearn has probably been dead for 10. In any case, that's what he, that's what Chick said. Oh, no. Chick didn't like garbage time on the court. He didn't like all the shenanigans. And if you're not a sports person, what I mean by garbage time is you get to the end of a game more or less, so you still have half a quarter to play, but the contest has been decided. One team is killing the other. And that's for any sport, I think. You know, I think it would apply to any any sport. Like imagine you're the Atlanta Falcons and you're winning the Super Bowl 28 to 3 midway through the third quarter. You know what I mean? There's only like 20 minutes left in the game. You're not quite in garbage time, but you're getting toward garbage time where you're going to lead the Patriots by 25 points going into the fourth quarter. You're going to run the ball a few times, and you're going to bring a championship to the great city of Atlanta. Alas, you being the Falcons and the Patriots being the Patriots, you can't seal that deal, and you end up shitting a 25-point lead in the middle of the third quarter of the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, listeners at Atlanta. It's something that happened. It's something we knew would happen as we saw as we saw the shaky Falcons take that 20. Can you imagine your team? And I'm not a Falcons fan, by the way, but I'm a City of Atlanta fan, and I wanted that city to have a championship. That's why I gave you the two UGA championships and the Brave championships. I'm not a fountain of sports information here. The, can you imagine, though, your team blowing a 28-3 to lead deep into the third quarter of the Super Bowl? They were talking about strippers were flying in. They were boarding. They were flying into the city of Atlanta because they were going to need so many to celebrate that Super Bowl title over the hated Patriots. I probably alluded to it before, but legacy is such an interesting thing that really can turn on a few key moments. If... The Patriots don't come back. If, if, let me put it this way. If the Falcons don't blow that lead against the Patriots, that's another Super Bowl loss for them, which would have been their fourth. And I know you have to be in the Super Bowl to lose it, but, you know, what might have been their third or fourth Super Bowl loss. And then if the Seattle Seahawks, for some reason, decide to actually do the right thing and just give the ball to Marshawn Lynch at the one-yard line to run through their face, as he put it. Then the Patriots are the losers of maybe five Super Bowls, and the whole Brady and Belichick thing is is different. However, and I know, I, I'm not going to talk about sports. I'm going to get back to garbage time here and so many other things, including uh, an email we got from Chi-Town, save me. Um, anyway... 
Legacy can turn on those those small little things. If the Seahawks just give the ball to Marshawn Lynch like everybody on the planet would have done, except some guy who overthought it and was in his head and just shat the bed in the biggest moment of his career, whoever that person that made that decision was. If that doesn't happen, and then if the Falcons don't let, if they run the ball just a few times in the second half, they win and they don't blow a 25-point lead. Two more losses for the Patriots. Belichick and Brady come under so much more scrutiny, decision-making, passes, interceptions, all this other stuff. But, and I know you have to have the Patriots in the Super Bowl to lose the Super Bowl. Uh, And I know you have to have the Patriots. There's something about the Patriots that is going to affect, you know, they were in the Falcons' head, even when the Falcons had a 25-point lead. Maybe they were in the Seahawks' head. Didn't look like it, but I, I know, I, I don't, I hate the NFL. It's just interesting how things change. As, as, the, as the Super Bowl, both of those occasions went to the Patriots, Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, and Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, and they're the greatest NFL dynasty of all time. I think, right? In any case, garbage time is where I hope you find yourselves this week. Garbage time is, is when you, the game is way out of reach. You put all the second stringers in. They're playing grab ass. They're trying to run, as my uh, Pop Warner coach said, hey, quit playing grab ass. <laughs> what was that man's name? Harley, his name fucking name was Harley for all goodness sakes. And quit playing grab ass over there. <laughs> My buddies and I were, were apparently playing grab ass. No, what we were doing was trying to share the things that we shoplifted from the grocery store down the street. Which is in itself a form of grab ass. I guess I do have a history of shoplifting there, Mr. Central Jersey Prosecutor. But like I told you on the last episode, I made right with the with the grocery store. So I hope you've done what you had to do and the scoreboard looks the way it should at the end of the year. And you're kind of cruising into the final two weeks here. Today's the 19th. I'm recording this on the 18th. Hold on. There's a disturbance. The disturbance was nothing more than my dogs walking around, but sometimes the the way they walk around signals that my wife has pulled up after dropping my daughter off at school, or in this case this week, uh, a mixture of gymnastics and natural um, animal events. Natural animal events? I was going to say natural history. Here's how I'm going to bring this all together. The year is at its end. And that's what I was talking about, hoping that you're cruising into the home stretch here with a bit of garbage time ahead of you and you can play grab ass. The year is also at its conclusion for my daughter. She is now has two weeks off of school. Uh, and this week, anyway, she's going to go to a few gymnastic tumbling uh, events and when I started to say natural history, what I meant is, or natural animals, what I meant to say is kind of like a zoo camp for, you know, half a day, which is where my wife dropped her off today. So there is a milestone in that my daughter has made it through her first, she's halfway through her first school year at this uh, new school. And that's that's cool. We, we 
we raised a glass to her. Um, there's some pressure washing or something happening outside. I apologize. So that's kind of a milestone. That's that's you know she's at the end of the end of the year end of the year her first she's halfway through her first year of school and uh, whatever it's called pre kindergarten junior kindergarten almost kindergarten official. Uh, and the dogs scattering around is usually signal usually signals my wife coming home. Here's where I was going. Usually signals my wife coming home. And me not liking to do the podcast with her in the house. A, the house is not that big. I don't want to be self-conscious. I just kind of, I don't ever really say anything. That, I don't say anything. I don't, th- I don't say anything that I wouldn't want her to hear. It's just weird to sort of talk to yourself and an audience that you know is out there with someone else who is in the house. It's either like, just come sit in the room and I'll, I'll talk and you can, I can look at you, but I, while I'm, t- I'll stare at you in the eyes while I'm talking to these unknown, unmasked or masked strangers. Maintain eye contact. I could do that, but the idea that she's like in another room, kind of hearing me ramble on, I don't know. It's just weird. So that's why I stopped. Like, are these dogs telling me that this woman is home after dropping my daughter off at this zoo? It's like a zoo camp, is essentially what it is, where she's gonna see alpacas, I think, or llamas. When did llamas become alpacas? Can we just stick with llamas? I, I think, I think for the civilian, the understanding of these animals is, is, let's just call them llamas. What do we need alpacas for? When did when did they get the rebrand? So uh, speaking of milestone, today this is the four hundredth episode of this podcast. Do with that what you will. <laughs> You could say, oh, man, that's incredible. Like, I, I'm so grateful for all the joy and wonder and novelty and exploration and travel and insight that you've brought to my life. Thank you so much. Here's to the next 400. Or you might say, wow, I cannot believe I have committed myself to listening to 400 of these episodes. Or you could say, wow, that's interesting. When a podcast like Serial or some true crime thing comes out, it is a mega success, bestseller, top of everyone's list, 10 trillion subscribers after its first episode. Well, this one's a slow build, <laughs> okay? 400. A lot of people don't have 400 podcast episodes. So here's to me. How can you help? I've told you that. In any case, uh, I hope you are doing well, and I hope you're at the, like I said, you're headed into garbage time here. My schedule lightening up as we move into the end of this year and certainly lightening up when it comes to doing stand-up comedy in the San Diego County area has allowed me to commit some time to playing the piano. Specifically, to trying to learn, to learning, not trying to learn, I'm learning, how to play fairy tale of New York on piano. I'm gonna, the challenge here for me in presenting this information to you is to try to make. I'm just. I'm just. Am I taking you behind the curtain? <laughs> to imply there's a curtain here is 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 inaccurate and misleading. But the challenge, as I'm thinking about it, is to talk about something that maybe you have no 
interest in or conceptualization of that is sitting down at a piano and trying to make something come out of it that's coherent and, and pleasurable. That's what I'm, that's the challenge. I don't know. Some people listen to some people, some people play music who listen to this podcast. Other people don't. Challenges for me is to try to make this as interesting as I can or as keep the people who are not naturally inclined to music listening. Why would you, why do I say that out loud? I don't know, just because, because it came to me. I'm trying to learn, so you know the Pogue song I've talked about, Shane McGowan's passing a couple weeks ago, Fairy Tale of New York, and, and then that night, I happened to be at an event where there were lots of Irish people, there were Seamuses, there were McFaddens, there were Doyles, and it was the day that Shane McGowan was laid to rest, I think it was actually two Fridays ago. And you can look online to see versions of Nick Cave playing um, what Nick Cave what was the song he's playing? Rain Street, I can't remember. And then everybody in the church doing Fairy Tale of New York. So Fairy Tale of New York, just to remind you, is the famous, most famous Pogue song, one you hear every holiday season. And for me, the piano player, me, the Pogue fan, Pogue supporter, playing this has been, uh, you know, I, I do it sort of cyclically, right? Every, every post-Thanksgiving it comes around, I sit down at the piano and I play the introduction. I've played for the last X number of years. I can play the introduction to that song, which is bing, 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 bing. Bing, bing, boom, right? That's the introduction. It's 11, I think it's like 11 seconds of music, something like that, which might also be the same as Loving Cup by the Rolling Stones, 11 seconds. In any case, I can play that most recognizable piano introduction to the song, but that's it. I've never committed myself to learning more of the song which is actually the verse, which is what I should do before it moves to the, again, you know the song. It's, it's, a, it's, it's not complicated, but it's, it's, it has a few different movements in it. It's, it's a nice piece of music is what it is. Uh, and, and probably a little more sophisticated than my uh, downstrokes on the guitar, <laughs> piano style uh, suits or is suited to. So I can play the introduction and then it gets to the, the first verse and this is where I want to play. I want to learn how to play through, it was Christmas Eve, babe, and the drunk tank, an old man said to me, won't see another one. So that's, you know the song? So introduction and then it was Christmas Boom, 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 boom. And the piano and the, the vocal, actually the melody kind of track one another. So I imagine what happened is McGowan wrote the lyrics and wrote the melody to the song and then uh, Jem or whoever it was that actually wrote the piano wrote, the, wrote it to match kind of the melody. And if I'm losing you, I apologize. So now... I'm just about through that first part of the first verse, which is it was Christmas Eve, babe, and the dun 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 d
Okay, so that's pretty good. I'm almost done. And I've broken it down into these 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 parts where the lyrics go. And then after that, it's... And then we sang a song, a railroad mountain dew. I turned my face away and dreamed about you. Dun, 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 dun. And that's like halfway through the first verse. And I got to tell you, it is so time consuming. Because, again, I'm not the most sophisticated piano playing, and I want to get it right, and it sounds so beautiful when I do. So, and it's also as like trying to do the one and a half a couple years ago and smashing my face into it over and over and over. I'm trying to, part of this is to show my daughter, this is how you get good at shit. This is how you learn how to do stuff. Is you first do it. You try. I can't do it. Well, of course not. You know, you haven't tried. You haven't applied yourself. I can't do it. You know, like the guy in the coffee place. Like, I can't do stand-up comedy. Or I, the first time I did it, it didn't go well. Dude, yeah, it shouldn't. I'm on a 400th podcast, and we're trying to get this thing in order. But I am trying to show her, look, each day, I don't say look. I'm trying to show her. Each day, I add a little bit more and incrementally improve what I'm working on, lengthen the piece. And the only way to do that is to actually do it and just stick with it and persist. So I'm getting there. I'm just about, I have the intro, like I said, and I almost have that that whole first section on, it was Christmas Eve, baby, and the drunk tank, an old man said to me, won't say another one. That's a lot of piano in there. And then the second line is, and then we sang a song, the railroad mountain dew. I turned my face away and dreamed about you. So finishing that section, which I'm almost finished with, is going to really set me up to finish with pace for the rest of that verse. All I'm doing is the introduction and the verse. There's a bridge and there's a chorus and refrain and all this other stuff that would take a lot longer. But basically, if you know the song, if you know the tune, as Rod Stewart would say, Here's one you should know. If you don't know, I don't know where you've been. I'm just saying you should know the tune. And then the faces play. Maybe I'm amazed at the way you left me all the time. Hung me on the line. You should listen to the faces more, just as a rule. In any case, uh, if you know the tune, I'm just going to get to the part before Christy McCall comes in right before it starts to jig and swing. Uh, and I put on here, Fairy Tale of New York, Dad Piano by 122523. So hopefully getting through the first two lines of the verse will set me up because I, they kind of repeat similarly, got on a lucky one. So the learning won't be as much, it won't be as great, substantial, on the got on a lucky one, came in 18 to 1, I got a feeling, this year's from me and you. And all I have to do is get through, so happy Christmas, I love you baby, I can see a better time, when all our dreams come true, dum, 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 dum. and then it goes into the jig, do, 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 do. and I'm, I'm out, so I'm not, I'm not going to play all that, and then Christy McCall. They've got cars, because bars, they've got rivers of gold, but the wind blows right through you, it's no place for the old. When you first took my 
hand on a cold Christmas Eve. You promised me Broadway was waiting for me. You're handsome. You're pretty. Queen of New York City when the band finished. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to do. Okay. There. Coffee well into my veins. Music on my brain. If you would like to do a truckload of cocaine and just stare at something mesmerizing, please, and if you got, if what I just told you about learning this song, it's in D, and playing it on the piano and trying to add more to it each day, at all intrigued you, <laughs> or you're a musician, there is a documentary my wife and I watched over the next over the last two nights. So that would have been a little late Saturday night and a little Sunday night. We watched uh, a documentary on a band I'd never listened to. I know the songs as well as anybody else. Steely Dan. I was never a Steely Dan fan. I mean, it was just there. I didn't like hate Steely Dan, but it was always, you know, punk rockers kind of, you know, didn't really fuck with Steely Dan because it was... Uh, too complicated, too smooth. It was too perfect <laughs> is what it was. But as a musician, as someone who's not a, you know, 22-year-old fucking stupid, everything that's not Reagan youth sucks. If you know how to play your instrument, you're selling out. What a dumb mentality Generation X has. If you're, if you're trying, if you look like you're trying, like you're selling out. How dumb. Money is nothing. Well, then we're all going to be broke. In any case, my generation has some flaws in its thinking. <laughs> They're trying fucking sellouts. They're mass they've mastered their crafts. That's not punk rock. Punk rock is playing guitar that's not in tune and not trying. Wild. Wild. In any case, I never was much of a Steely Dan fan and they're not around anymore. But they made a record called Asia. A-J-A. -A. And if you just want to see people tweaking on how to perfect something, which is, you know, what I look for in my own jokes, in my own music. You know, always trying to get the perfect iteration of the thing out. Watch the documentary on Tom Petty and Rick Rubin making Wildflowers. And probably numerous other things I've told you about. Watching this documentary on these two guys. The record's called Asia. A-J-A. -A. They, it's the most amazing thing. I have, I've not seen anyone pursue perfection like these two guys do. And perfection, by the way, is something that is in their shared head. It's two guys. Donald Fagan and Walter Becker. And they have in their heads their shared mind meld of what the thing should sound like. Their sixth record, as it were. I don't know if you can hear the music over my shoulder, but somewhere on my street there is something that sounds like pressure washing happening. And I apologize if it's intruding on this podcast. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Steely Dan because what are we talking about here? The commitment these guys make to getting it right in their heads, getting what is in their heads. And they, they're speaking from the same neck, essentially. These two guys, they share this vision for what each song should be on this record. 
and then they translate it to studio musicians. They don't even have a band. They just call in the best in their field, most appropriate, better than best. It's most appropriate for the song, for the part. So they make this record Asia with like 40 different musicians, not even a band, it's just the two of them. And they're like, why don't we have Bernard Purdy play drums on this track? Why don't we have somebody else play drums on that track? Why don't we have so-and-so play electric guitar here? Some come ring a bell here or his guitar tone work here. And it's this amazing commitment to realizing the vision that I think would captivate you. And the documentary probably is like 20 years old because I, I told my music my music uh, brother, Ross Harrell, uh, about it, or I, I'm sure he'd seen it, uh, and he is a Steely Dan obsessive because he's a really good musician. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like real musicians like Steely Dan. People at my level will grow up thinking, fuck Steely Dan. You know what I mean? It's like when people hate on the Beatles. You never hear a musician hate on the Beatles. Someone's going to hate on the Beatles. They're not going to under they're going to have a less sophisticated understanding of what those four lads from Liverpool were actually doing with the music that they created. You never hear a musician go that's bullshit. They might not like it, but they everyone musically kind of was like that was pretty pretty impressive. And to make them into all pop songs as well. But this documentary is like 20 years old. I sent it to Ross. I was like, these guys are on such a bag right now. And he said, yeah, I wore that DVD or the whatever DVD out when I was in, in college. So that was a long time ago. It's just amazing. It's amazing. The They had a little room. They had some money, right? They had a, records before with some songs so they could take the time to get it right. And fly musician from L.A. or Detroit out to New York and vice versa. And that's all I have to say about it. It's, they call Alabama the Crimson Tide. Call me Deacon Blue. I got a name. You know that singer Michael McDonald from 100 years ago? Who became part of the Doobie Brothers? He, every musician, by the way, that he, he's on it. He sings on it. And every musician like Michael McDonald and these other legends of their game, Wayne Shorter, jazz titan, they never look stoked about talking about what it was like to make the record. <laughs> they, look, they all look like they survived something. And Michael McDonald is talking about them wanting him to, the two guys, the Steely Dan guys, wanting him to sing a note and sing it essentially, as I understood it, in the same key, but up one octave or interval. Interval is kind of a different way of saying octaves, I think. Michael McDonald looks so vexed by explain. I, I was trying to explain to my wife what I thought Michael McDonald was saying about, let's say you have a note that's like, and you need to get another note that's like, it's like, Michael McDonald was saying he had a hard time differentiating, discerning in his head the interval between the note he was singing and the next note that they wanted him to track on it. Like that's, he's like, 
one of the great rock and rock singers or whatever you want to call them, easy yacht rock singers, Michael McDonald. You belong to me. And he is fucking stuck like, dude, I don't know what these guys wanted. And it's almost impossible for me to be putting this note this far. And I'm talking about a nanomillimeter next to the one I just sang. But these fucking maniacs have the idea they need that note right there. It's wild. Please note, none of the musicians who participated in that looked like they were having fun. <laughs> Except the two guys who played it and maybe the drummer, Bernard Purdy. Um, pretty Purdy. If, if, you like, if you like tweaking out on perfection, that's the video for That's the, that's the um, documentary for you. I want to uh, get to, it's a very nice note of support from uh, Chi-Town Save Me. And then I will uh, send you on here in just a couple minutes. At your, at your, at your state-sanctioned 45 minutes. I'm also waiting for my friend in Bangladesh to send a few more clips today uh, because I'm going to put a clip up on, on this Monday. Again, all you have to do, like, you don't have to subscribe. Like it, comment on it, and then if you really enjoy it and sincerely think it's funny, share it. With, share it. Share it to your story. So here, uh, he sent a, Chi-Town Save Me sent a email to yesjoesmith at gmail.com. Subject, this was four days ago, guided by angels. Guided by angels. I don't know exactly what that means, but I like it. Guided by Angels is the subject, and he says, Hey, Joe, congratulations on the successful move. Thank you very much. I think it's been successful. I think we're, I mean, successful in that we're two people, we're a couple, who now is, whose priority is their daughter's uh, well-being, impact, fulfillment, success. And I think four, four months into this, can you believe that? We're four months into living in San Diego. The girl has just finished her uh, first semester, as it were, of junior kindergarten and seems to be, uh, seems to be tracking smoothly. So uh, congratulations on the... Oh, by the way, I, I, just because I'm a dad. You know, I've been going to soccer with my daughter for... Um, I've been going to soccer every Wednesday evening with my daughter... And I really haven't talked about it. And I'm going to come right back to Chi-Town's email. But a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago, they had the... And my daughter, which is... She's obviously watching me play the piano and blast my head into the pool trying to do a one and a half. And really watching her mother set an example for all of us with the consistency of her effort and behavior. <laughs> but I like to take a little credit too because it, it does take a village. My daughter in soccer, she's not the most talented person, but she is the person who never stops running. She just keeps running to the scrum of ball. She keeps going wherever it goes. She falls down. She pops back up. She just keeps running. And I'm not saying other kids don't run, but that's she just keeps going. <laughs> and a week and a half ago, to conclude the soccer series, the soccer season, whatever it was, was... Uh, essentially a game between the parents and the kids. Some parents 
very interesting to watch, try a lot harder than other parents playing against four-year-olds and five-year-olds. Did I, I hope I didn't mention this already, but the game ended 3 nothing. Kids won 3 nothing, And they don't have a lot of control of the ball. And you know who didn't score one goal, didn't score two goals, but netted a hat trick? My daughter. Three. All three of them. It was, when she had two, I texted my buddy. I'm like, she's on a brace right now. <laughs> and then sure enough, she finishes a third for the hat trick. Anyway, that is all we want, uh, Town is We're just trying to get that girl. Uh, you know what I'm saying. I just paused there, jumped in to say, I never, I never saw her scoring one goal in that game, let alone all three. So it's thus far a successful move for what we're trying to do for the girl. And she sees her grandparents all the time. She's gonna see she's gonna see them later this afternoon. It's good for the game. She stays up there. We get to sleep in. Good times. Comedy sucks. <laughs> so then his next paragraph said, uh, I've really enjoyed the recent podcast as you're describing the San Diego comedy scene. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate that, and I've gotten a couple other messages about that, uh, that the, the sort of journey of relation. We have a relationship, listeners. Relationships require mom momentum, and this is probably, you know, a new narrative, me trying to find my way into this scene. And I'll do it much better if you like, comment, and share. Uh, but people seem to have enjoy, enjoyed the uh, journey into the, the comedy scene. And how, so I really enjoyed the recent podcast as you're describing the San Diego comedy scene and how you're adapting to it. <sighs> yeah, I mean, how I'm adapting to it, that's a really interesting turn of phrase because I don't think I am adapting to it. I don't think I am adapting to it. Adapting means what <laughs> I should know this adapting means behaving consistent with the norms and expectations of an environment or a culture and if we're talking about San Diego comedy that means I should do a show for free say the n-word and then bomb <laughs> that will be adapt I'm kidding But, and I'm also lingering on that word, adapting to the environment. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know I do, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to adapt to it um, while, while remaining uh, true to myself, I suppose. Not that that's in doubt. My daughter, by the way, we were listening to Sheena is a punk rocker yesterday, and she said to me, what is, what is a punk rocker? And I said, first and foremost, it's someone who's true to themselves. And then I went into asks a lot of questions and doesn't know how to play guitar. <laughs> uh, but first and foremost, being true to yourself, I think, is a hallmark of being a, a punker. In any, and that's why people who dress punk are, you know, trying to do it from the outside in. I'm trying to adapt. I'm trying to do it. It's nice that you think that I'm, I'm adapting. And it's nice that you're listening and supporting. 
but I don't feel like I'm adapting that well because a, a more more efficient way, not efficient, a more direct way, I suppose. Be not efficient for me is trying to go be a doorman at a comedy club and then getting a fucking three minute spot and in front of an open mic crowd. I just I can't do that. I, I don't want to do that is what it, what it comes down to. But I can't invest that much time. Or I can go hang out at a club and kiss people's rings for a while. And, you know, I get it. It's, it's, I remember when I started talking about this, I said the thing I, I dreaded the most was making a bunch of new comedy friends. That's why I only have, like, two. <laughs> uh, in any case, thank you for saying that you think I'm adapting. I'm, I'm going to figure it out. You know that. Well, the uh, all right. I really enjoyed the recent podcast as you're describing the San Diego comedy scene and how you're adapting to it, adapting to it while also trying to change it for the better. I think you know what I think now that you say this. Try to change it for the better. I think I've shown it. At first, I was like, God, this is this is really edge lord city, and uh, I was very surprised by that and. And, you know, there are sometimes I'm in a room and I'm like, these people don't know, like, what actually doing well sounds like. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, like, fucking crushing. But I don't feel like I'm, I need to inflict my stamp of comedy, or I hadn't early on, I suppose. I don't need to inflict it like a dog peeing on a, on a sign or a little bit higher up on a telephone pole than the last dog. But now I'm coming into, if I ever get my own goddamn room, one which was snatched away from me. Another one, I was hitting up this place over and over, and the guy said, hey, sorry, I haven't gotten back to you. I'll get back to you in a few days with terms. All of a sudden, I go by, and they're doing comedy on, uh, they're going to be doing comedy on Saturday nights, which is good. I'm glad that happened, but it was like, hey, man, you fucking told me about that. When I get my own room, Chi-Town, then... I will be uh, really trying to do it my way. And, and which, candidly, not candidly, I don't know why I say it like that, which means for me doing it the way I think it's the right way. Not imposing my will, like I don't like that joke, but like the, the, how we arrive at, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm trying, man. I really am. And, and, uh, I just gotta I gotta get my own room first and then I will continue to get a little more uh, then I'll get a little more social capital with that and traction as I move forward. So hey Joe, congratulations on the successful move. I've really enjoyed the recent podcast that you're describing the San Diego comedy scene and how you're adapting into it while also trying to change it for the better. Good luck and let's go. Yeah, let's go. I mean that's it. XOXO Shy Town Save Me. I really appreciate you, you sending me a note to sort of you know what you're probably doing, and and I don't, I I have nothing but, uh, pos- I assume nothing but positive intent in anything anyone interacts with me, uh, about, but just maybe he's trying to say say like you know keep going man it'll <laughs> keep banging keep playing those fairy tale of New York chords over and over and playing those notes until you finally get into a groove and find and and not find. Get into your place in the San Diego comedy scene. That's exactly what it is. I had a place. I had a role. 
I had a place and I had a role and there I say, I don't say responsibility. I had a role in Atlanta comedy and I don't have that yet, but that's what I'm working toward. And maybe, maybe you, you hear that a little bit or you're just not even hear that. You're saying, you'll find it, man. Stay positive. Let's go. You know, I will. I will. Uh, I will stay positive. But thank you. And if anybody else you want to write in and, and tell me about, I'm waiting for someone to write in and explain to me how what I see happening between those two uh, countries over there in that part of the world uh, is not uh, the most egregious thing of all time. And dare I say, and history is written by the victors, and I'm not trying to close out here on a really depressing note. History is right now being written by the stronger, more technically, technologically advanced, better financed. It's and the United States of America very, very, very helpful in that. And also USA. How come you say right at the beginning we're gonna give you all this money, support, and weaponry, and now we're gonna say, by the way, stop using it? If I were on the other end of that, I'd be like, well, which, what do you what do you want from me? You give me a bat, and now you tell me I can't beat on somebody with it. Very confusing. Not only is victory being written as we speak, I, I just allowed myself to get sidetracked by that giving support and then saying, don't use the support that I gave you. That's kind of confusing to me. I think what has happened here, and correct me if I'm wrong, anybody affiliated with this, lob your opinion. I think what has happened is what went from being a response to an, a specific incident is now the culmination of 65 years or however long it's been of uh, sitting in that spot and having everybody take shots at you. And also maybe, just maybe, um, some sort of, I don't know, uh, Def deflected revenge for what happened 80 years ago in that World War II, which was horrific. And now, obviously, those memories are not going to go away. Um, but maybe there's a little bit of like that compelling this as well. This is a comedy podcast. Anyway, have a great week. And on Friday, it's going to be really funny, okay? <laughs> Just like it was today. I know. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Uh, have a great week, and I'll talk to you on Friday.